0: Let's pray. Lord Jesus, in the scripture we just heard, we hear that Paul found a secret to contentment. Lord, I pray over the next two weeks that we as well find that secret, that we can learn to live our days here on this planet with happiness, joy, and true contentment. We pray this in your name. Amen. We've been doing a series um, focusing on some resources by Lutheran Hour Ministry. And I hope and pray that if you haven't done so, that you will download their free app. Um, You put in Lutheran Hour Ministry, Project Connect, and you'll have access to about 50 different brochures on various topics. It's great for a resource for you to read. In fact, if you don't want to read it, you can hit a button, and I'll read it to you. In fact, um, it's also set up in such a way that you can send any brochures to anybody else. If you've got a friend going through cancer, there's a couple of really nice brochures on cancer or various life-pertaining topics. And our focus the next two weeks is going to be on the secret to um, contentment. And there, again, there is a brochure in there regarding this. It's called The Ingrate's Guide to Contentment, and, and um, a lot of great information. You know, how do we find contentment in a world that can be so messed up? How can you find contentment if maybe the candidates you want to have elected aren't elected or the initiatives you want passed are not passed? How do you find contentment when life hits you hard? In our lesson for today, we see somebody who's very content. His name's Paul. And what's interesting, he's in jail. It says he's chained in jail. He's not sure if he's going to get out alive, but yet if you read Philippians, and I want to encourage you this next week to read the um, letter to Philippians, and you will see a guy filled with joy, a guy that is happy, a guy that's content, because he's found the secret to contentment. I know for sure right now there's somebody in the sanctuary who's really content. Vern Borcheting, I'm going to pick on you because you are an avid Cubs fan. And I bet you are very content right now, right? But even with that, the contentment will eventually maybe go away, right? Let's say another 108 years go by, okay? Um, And that's the thing about things in this world, You know, if our focus is on things in this world, so often contentment comes and goes. But I want to talk about someone who gives us contentment all the time. The sermon is going to be divided into three parts. And the first thing I want to talk about is getting right with ambition. Getting right with ambition. It's really good to be ambitious if you are ambitious for the right things. Okay? And so my question to you is, is, are you ambitious for the right things? You know, the writer of of, um, Philippians, Paul, he, in fact, I want to read again that the scripture, in fact, let's have us read together, it's going to come up on the screen. Let's read this together. It says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. He's found a secret of contentment. And we know if you study his life, he was very ambitious. In fact, in the letter to Philippians, he writes how ambitious he was earlier in his life for the wrong things. He was from a Jewish background, and he was very well-schooled in Jewish thought, and he felt that Christianity was a threat to Judaism, and so he was ambitious to annihilate Christians. And he went out, he captured them, turned them over to authorities where they could either, they would be tortured, potentially put to death. And to spread this ambition, he was going to take his persecution to other parts of the then known world and along the way to the road to Damascus, what happened? Jesus showed up. And Jesus says to to Saul at the time in a blinding light, why are you persecuting me? And what happens is that Saul became Paul and his life changed. He had a new master. His ambition changed from a worldly, misguided ambition to a Christ-centered ambition. And you study his life, it's amazing what he accomplished over the last part of his life. Starting churches over most of the then-known world. Raising up leaders all over the place. Letters that we are reading to this day, inspired by the Holy Spirit through him. On this All Saints Sunday, you can think of all the people in in heaven because of the influence that God had through Paul, through his writings, through the ministry that he did. An amazing man of God. You know, at one point, it's his desire to go to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome because there was one person in particular he wanted to have come to faith. Guess who that was? Caesar. He felt, if I can get Caesar to become a Christian, the rest of the world will become Christian. That's ambitious. Verse 13. He's convinced he can do anything. How? I can do all things through who? Through Christ, who gives me strength. That's true ambition. Now, when we look around the world, what do we see? Look into at our own lives. What are we ambitious about? You know, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He also says, don't store up for yourself worldly things, but store up treasures in heaven. What are we living for? You know, I see a world of people so often living for things and ambitious about things that really aren't that significant. Things that come, things that go. For example... If your ambition is all about making more money, it may work for a while, but what happens if the stock market crashes or your business crashes or your health fades? Things come, things go. Recently, I had a conversation with a, a guy that lives in the same um, condo complex where I live and, and a young guy. And we're just, we actually met him at LA Fitness. I saw him which was close to where I, I live, and we're, we're talking. And he, he said, "You know, I had a full ride scholarship to play Division One basketball, and it got through my freshman year. and I blew up my knee, and I couldn't even play. I haven't played basketball this day. So then I took up golf, and I was almost to the point I was going to try to get my PGA card. But then the nerves and the tendons in my wrist got all messed up, and I can't even golf anymore." And I said boy, you're going through a lot of difficult things. And he smiled. He said, actually, I'm incredibly blessed. And I want to talk further about what what he's blessed with, but he had to go. He had to leave. And I'm thinking, I want to continue that conversation because I think he's found a secret. The very one that Paul found. To say continued, I'll tune in as far as how that conversation comes forth in the weeks to come. But A lot of people in this world, those two things I just shared, if it was their life, they'd be crashing and burning. Things in this world, they come and they go. If we put our trust, our ambition only in worldly things, we're going to be disappointed. You know, Paul also writes in Colossians 3.23, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for people. So I want to encourage us to take that verse to heart and realize that we should focus and channel all our ambition through who? Through Christ. If you're working, yeah, we have worldly jobs and we have maybe worldly things we do, but whatever that is, work, sports, um, no matter what it is, you'll go to a restaurant, our neighborhood, do everything for the glory of who? Of God. And when we do that, all of a sudden, Our ambition has eternal significance. We're involved with things that have eternal results. And in the end, it says, store up treasures in heaven. What are treasures in heaven? It's not stuff, because nothing in this world goes to heaven as far as worldly things. No money, no homes, no cars. The only thing that goes to heaven are the souls of people that believe in Jesus Christ. That the ultimate treasure is that God uses us to lead others to Jesus and on to heaven. And that should be the focus of our ambition, to see that everybody on this planet becomes a saint. That somewhere in some church, you know, when, their, when they leave, that their name comes up on a screen too because they came to know the love of Jesus Christ. Because in the end, all that matters is this relationship with Christ. That's the only thing that has eternal significance. And I pray that our ambition is focused Completely and totally through Jesus Christ. And if we do that, we are on the pathway to contentment.
1: more than enough for me Jesus your
0: chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty Put in all she had to live on. This is the gospel of the Lord. The secret to contentment. The first one, getting rid right of ambition. The second one, dumping materialism. I want to make something very clear. Having wealth. There's nothing wrong with that. Having a lot of things, so to speak, there's nothing wrong with that either unless unless you love those things too much, unless you love money more than you love God. Now we live in a world where so many people compare themselves to others, compare what they have to other people. And that leads into a trap. You know, our Lord gives us the Ten Commandments. The Ninth and tenth Commandments, I call it the double whammy. They both talk about do not what? Do not covet. Learn to be content with what God has given to you. Learn to be thankful for what you have. In the brochure that was um, the In Grace Guide to Contentment, there was somebody who did a study. And in this study, his name is um, Thomas Gilovich, psychology professor of Cornell University. It was more than a 20-year study, trying to find what makes people truly happy. Did a lot of research on whether or not things make people happy. And his findings were this, that for those that do not have the basic necessities of life, that don't have for example, a roof over their head, um, don't know where they're going to get their next meal, it's hard for them to be happy and content because they're living in survival mode. But once... You come to a place where you have the basic necessities of life met, where you have a roof over your head, um, you have transportation, you have clothes to wear, you have food to eat. What he found is for those that had the basic necessities compared to those who had abundance of those necessities, there was very little difference as far as the levels of happiness. How can that be? Wouldn't you think if people have more stuff that they're going to be happier? You know, I think back to when I was um, working at, the, or I should go to, go to the seminary, and I was working for a catering company. and did a lot of, of um, butlering at um, very wealthy people's mansions. <clears throat> and one time I was at this guy's uh, mansion, and my job was to give the tour. And it took a long time. It was a huge place. And I'm giving this tour, and this one guy pulls me aside and says, You think this place is big? I said, Incredible. I said, Yeah, it really is. Because This is nothing compared to what I have. You know, I But what's so interesting is, you know, I was this poor seminary student, and I was around a lot of very wealthy people. But what I saw was a lot of very unhappy people, a lot of people that had a lot of fear and anxiety. You see, something else they found in the study is sometimes when you have more things, you have more to what? Take care of more to worry about. What he found was that. As people accumulate the possessions or as you buy things, you get used to them, okay? For example, let's say you got out of college and you you get your first starter up home or condo and get your first car. Was that any more exciting than later on when you upgrade to the next level? You see, you, you purchase things, and then you get used to them, and then the thrill goes away. You have kind of a little bit of a buzz for a while, a little bit of excitement, but it fades. Think about when you were a kid at Christmas time, and you got your new toys, and you're all excited for how many days, maybe about a week, then what happens? The toys start breaking, or you start go on the next thing. And so it is in life that what he found is that things do not necessarily they don't make you happy. Okay, that's not the source of joy of contentment. Whether you have a little, whether you have a lot, Paul says, I've found the, the key to the secret of contentment, whether I have little or a lot. See, no matter what we have, we should be thankful for it. But what he found, the same guy found, as far as what did make people happy, it wasn't things; it was experiences. Experiences is what people turn to, especially. God-centered experiences. When you think back over your life, you think back, yeah, I think back when I went to J.C. and bought those new jeans, or you know, I went to the, the car dealer and got this new car. Is that what you think of as far as you look back to the highlights of your life? Is it more like things like when your kids were born, or maybe family vacations, or events that were significant? You know, For me, as I look back, what really comes to mind are the things that pertain to faith, the things that pertain to God. I think back to when I first became a believer in Jesus Christ at the age of 18. I think back to seeing when my kids were baptized, or even just last month when we had 22 people baptized in one day here in this, on our campuses. I think back to you know, seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ, people growing in their faith in Jesus Christ, to see what God does to help make this world a better place through people like us. Those are the experiences that, that truly matter because they have eternal significance. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. We see it in research, but we see it from the ultimate master, Jesus himself, that things don't buy us happiness. Godly experiences and relationships, that's where we find true happiness. We continue with our next song.
1: Creation of water, water earth, and, and the sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. Hallelujah to the Lord of Heaven Lamb hallelujah to the Lord of heaven Lamb you are to me, Father, hold me, hold me, the universe declares your majesty, you are holy, holy, holy.
0: Secret to contentment, part three. So when you go home today and talk to your neighbors and they could ask them if they went to church, you can say, I went to church, I listened to three sermons today. (laughs) Well, here's part three. Leveraging generosity. In Luke chapter six, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, Jesus talks more about giving than any other topic, as far as even the whole topic of money. He talks about more than any other topic. Why do you think that is? See, he doesn't need your money. I mean, he he owns the universe. But he realizes that we as human beings have this propensity to put too much emphasis on money. Even our forefathers were wise enough to put right on our currency what? In God we trust. Not in money we trust. As shepherd of the desert, we exist to lead people to follow Jesus. We think about who our God is. Our God is a God of generosity. The most quoted verse in the Bible, John three sixteen: God so loved the world, he gave, he gave his one only son. Jesus loves us so much, he gave his life on a cross for our sins and rose again. Everything we have is a gift from God. Even our salvation, a gift from God. If our desire is to follow Jesus, Jesus is generous. And we're called to be people of generosity. And Jesus says, if you give, you are going to receive. But this Section is so misunderstood by so many people. Does that mean that if if I give, you know, more money to God, he's give more money back to me? No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, maybe some people works that way. It's never worked that way for me. But the bottom line, what he gives is more valuable than money, what he gives back to us. And one of the things that's received is contentment. Think about the people you know in your life who are the happiest, most joyful people you know. I guarantee they're not people that are stingy. The happiest people you know are people that are generous. Because generous people live in contentment. They live in joy because that's how God made us to be. In the um, brochure, there's another study in this section. A guy by the name of Michael Norton, professor of business administration at Harvard Business School. And also he has these TED Talk episodes, he goes out into the community and does random things, and one of these things, what he did was he gave random people money, anywhere from 5 to $20, with instructions with the money. Either they were to spend it on themselves, or they were to spend it on other people. Okay? And, but before they, were, they went out in their assignment, they were first asked, how happy are you right now before the event took place? And so they went out and did their things, and then after they did their, you know, either spent the money themselves or spent it on others, they were then asked how happy they were afterwards. For all the people that spent money themselves, they were no happier afterwards than they were before. But for the ones who went out and spent it on other people, guess what? They were happier. Well, you should not give thinking, okay, if I give, I'm going to be happier. That shouldn't be the reason we give of our time, talent, and treasures, resources. We should be giving to thank God for who he is and what he's done for us. That should be our desire. We don't have to give anything, really. We should want to. That's the beauty of our Christian faith. We're not saved by works, we're saved by grace, but our response is And using the free will that God has given to us should be the desire to do the right things. And what's amazing is the more that we follow God's way of doing things, the more we find contentment and joy in life. You know those pictures I showed earlier at the start of the service? Some of the events over the last five years through our church and school. All those things happen because of the generosity of people like you. Giving of your time, talent, and resources. Things are happening not only here through our church in our community, but out through our region and to the entire world. Lives are being changed forever because of what you are doing, what we're doing collectively in the name of Jesus Christ, because what we do, say, and give in the name of Jesus Christ has eternal significance. Right now, I want you to direct your attention to the screen for a short video talking about um, the benefits, what happens as we give to God. Please watch the screen. As I close out Sermon 3, I want you to grab a Bible if you have one in front of you. For those of you in the back, I know there's some in the back pew there. Maybe you can pass those around a little bit. I want you to turn to page um, 1850. Page 1850 in the Bible to First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. And I want to conclude not with my words, but with the words of God. So bring us all together. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 and following, page 1850. This is what God says to us in his word, and through, the, the, through the writing of Paul, but it's the Holy Spirit through him. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Have you seen that happen? I've seen it happen a lot. It breaks my heart when I see people choosing the world over choosing God. And in verse 17, same chapter, next page, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up Treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of a life that is truly life. Do you want to take hold of a life that's truly life? It's through Jesus Christ. That everything we do is through Him. That we put these words into practice, that we get right with ambition and be ambitious towards the things of God. That we dump materialism and that we realize that what matters is godly experiences and relationships. That we leverage generosity and realize we've been blessed to be a blessing. And as we live in this way, we are on the pathway to living in deeper and greater contentment. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for all the blessings you pour into our lives. You want us to be happy, joyful, and free. You want us to be content. And the answer is not through the world, it's through you. Help us to take these steps to live in contentment and to show the world even more completely who you are. We praise in your name. Amen.